0: In every age, God raises people up to speak the truth to the world in a way that is currently relevant. Though our opinions should not be held with the same esteem as the biblical canon, we still carry the hope of Christ to the world. Our society has forgotten what it means to follow Christ. The bright lights of truth seekers are barely visible in the dim twilight of a post-Judeo-Christian society. We all see the darkness coming. All we can hope is to share the light that he has entrusted to us. This is Modern Apocrypha. Hey, I'm Jared. And I'm Greg. And this is Modern Apocrypha. And Welcome. And this is Episode 7, and I've been sort of monopolizing the sort of the discourse over the past few so we're gonna let uh, Greg sort of uh, carry the carry the torch on this episode a bit. What you got for me Greg?
1: Well thank you. I'm certainly happy to take on a topic. I uh, don't uh, consider any of this yours or mine.
0: Well it's, no not it's... exactly but but at the same time when it's my idea, I end up being the one who talks about it when it's your idea. It's only right that you end up being the primary one to sort of talk about it. So, no, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not claiming that I own any of them. I'm just saying that, yeah. Anyway.
1: Absolutely. So, I really wanted to get into, um, I'll lead myself. Um, you as a writer, each of us as we go through our lives, have influencers. right? The people that influence us yeah, and I'd love to stick a pin in that. I'd like to have an episode on proper influence. yeah, well let's
0: let's make a note of it.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so in an idea of an open, honest influence, I'm explaining my thought process and how I'm bringing my thoughts to you. Okay. One of my favorite topic is bifocal vision. So the idea of bifocal vision is that you can't see thing monovisionally from one direction does that make sense to you so
0: what you're saying i think is if if all your if you're only getting one perspective if you're only getting one side of things you don't see it clearly
1: yes you can see it but you can't see any depth yeah mm-hmm so in order to add depth, you've got, uh, in the natural world, eyesight, man, you've got two eyes. Yep. Um, in the symbolic war world, you can see perspectives from culture and perspectives through time. Um, I found a wonderful article mm-hmm. about well, pop culture. Sure, because that's always a fun one to pick on. Okay. Uh, Beowulf is one of the oldest English language stories. Yes. So Beowulf, I, I should look up the exact year it was written, but it's very old. And in the original stories, these were pop culture; these were for bards to sing, right? These were for non-historical purpose. Can you, can you like come
0: forward toward your mic a bit? I can. That'd be good. Okay, so yeah, they were for bards to sing. They were, it was more of a, an oral tradition at the time than a, a written tradition.
1: Absolutely. So I get, sent you this article so that we can post it for everyone to pull it up and read yep. it themselves.
0: We'll stick it in the show notes.
1: But the shorts notes, uh, anyway, is that in our past, popular media... Mm -hmm. allowed for undescribed threat from the outside okay just the world will come at you and then we've redone the story and redone the story and redone the story and i want to say they did a wonderful cgi movie as far as the look um, in 2007 and really all of our pop culture uh you can look at Maleficent, you could look at uh, any of the uh, rewritings. Mm -hmm. And it really gives you a sense that we can't not describe our enemy, not see where they're coming from. And so in a bifocal vision, you end up with a perspective of pop culture from a thousand years ago to pop culture today.
0: Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm with you.
1: So continuing with this uh, layered system, we've got our natural natural representation that is sort of through uh, our symmetry of vision. hmm From that hint, we can look at uh, a critical reading method to have two bullet points, two ways to look at something. Yeah. And then this speaks to your previous idea of hypothesis test sympathy
0: the the thesis antithesis synthesis thing Mm -hmm. okay
1: so looking at our uh histories Mm -hmm. comparing it to our presence okay giving us an idea of a future
0: Interesting. Okay, so just just to clarify here, the synthesis, the thesis, antithesis, synthesis is a process that is imposed on us by outside forces to get us to think what they want. And what you're talking about is something totally different from that, right? It's like... You're
1: using it for yourself to right. try to see those influences.
0: Right, and, and that makes sense to me. So the idea being... And just sort of to restate, the idea being you take a past view of what pop culture was some time ago or a long time ago, you compare it to what's going on today, and it can give you some idea of, well, it'll give you an outside perspective on what's going on right now, but it can also give you some insight into the future.
1: Well, and to see what were the incentives at the time that produced Outputs. Mm-hmm. what are the different incentives today yep. that produce different outputs
0: yeah well but certainly
1: one yeah. of the biggest truths mm-hmm. I, I hate the way that people speak the
0: my truth it. thing yeah yeah
1: uh, but we a world be, but one one of know, the things
0: that one of the nuggets that is important to you
1: indeed is that I can't fundamentally see every. everything yeah just at its root right I, I understand that there are parts of the story I can't understand parts of it I can't remember yeah parts of it I remember incorrectly sure so a reminder for that is the bifocal vision try to get two advantages to try to triangulate where you believe Okay. Uh, that's, um...
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm with you. I'm, that makes sense. You yeah. know, that's, so, yeah, that, I was just going to agree with you. Just say, you know, that that's sort of a thing that I think any, any person who does any amount of self-reflection tries to do right in some sense where, you know, they try to find perspectives on themselves or their problems or their situations that aren't just from themselves. Absolutely. Anyway.
1: It should also help help you make decisions if you're trying to decide what a character might do. Decide what trade deal you might make. You know, there's everything and everything. Mm-hmm. You're not just looking at the product, but its inputs, its profits, who it helps and hurts it kind of applies to every yeah, everything of course so we've got natural we've got some and now i'd like to bring in flat temporal
0: okay what do you mean by that
1: a temporal bifocal view and this is you as the viewer have a bifocal view over time yep okay you can remember that I read the book of Genesis Genesis, when I was five mm-hmm. and when I was 12 and when I was 20 yep. and when I was 30 and 35 and when I was having trouble, when I was doing good, when I was confused and when I thought I knew exactly where I was supposed to be. Right. And at every time I got a bullet point for a bulk bifocal vision to triangul- tri- triangulate, what I see is the truth. Right. So that temporal last layer mm-hmm. is to remind you to go back and look at things you've looked at before.
0: So the idea being to try to regain the perspectives that you once had in order to give you better perspective on what you see now.
1: Yeah. Indeed. Indeed. Mm-hmm. Can you think of anything you might add that you remembered and you see differently now? or you see as a, as a synthesis where it's somewhere in the middle of
0: i have uh, i actually have a story a little bit of a story here so when i was when i was pretty young i started finding music that was it it would really speak to my heart you know you occasionally will find these songs that just hit you full in the face and i started making a list of them i started actually recording which ones they were at some point and when i was in my teens i started compiling a playlist compiling actual you know at the time i think it was on my mp3 player on my little ipod and so i have like 12 hours of music that call me each song calls me really strongly back to A situation in my past back to a place in my past and i have made a practice of keeping this specifically because of exactly what you're talking about it helps me to remember who i was and how i saw things then and what was important to me and what was on my mind
1: what does that offer you as a custodian of that particular Mm addition if something else comes out say a new beowulf Mm -hmm. if there were a new version of that song would it give you a spectrum of where the world's at where someone might be seeing things differently than people at that time did
0: do you know the song jesus freak dc talk i don't okay dc talk dc talk is the name of the group the, the song like... is Jesus Freak, and it's, what will people think if they uh, learn that I'm a Jesus freak? What will people do if they find that it's true? It was a very popular song back, oh, I don't know, 20, 25 years ago, something like that. And just two years ago, Owl City released a remix of that song, the only official remix. It was released by the DC Talk YouTube channel, and Owl City did the remix, Owl City is a more. Um, it, it's a it's a one guy, um, Adam Young. I don't know. Either way, um, it was he had a couple of really big hits a few years back. One was Fireflies, ten million fireflies. Okay, yeah, he had that. The, he had that song, and he did a remix of this DC Talk Jesus freak, just recently, and. It's really really interesting to hear the difference between the two versions, the original version and the 2020 version because or 2022 I think it was somewhere in there. Because he, the the difference in culture, the difference in sound, the difference in environment, it it all comes through in subtle ways that it's it's really fascinating. So I think that speaks directly to your
1: question, yeah? absolutely absolutely and they're everywhere and it doesn't matter which ones you grab as long as you hold on to them, you have something to compare
0: mm-hmm. yeah
1: yeah i think that's a great place to break for the uh first half of this episode
0: we're only a third of the way through the first 30 minutes that's 10 minutes really yeah man i know it, it, it's amazing um Though, you know, if you want a break, we can. That's fine.
1: That's the place that I have bulleted point for it.
0: All right. Well, we'll take a quick break then. We'll be back. Modern Apocrypha is brought to you by the Energeometrist 6 Universe and by the upcoming book Bright Star by me, Jared Misho. If you're interested in reading the book, head over to e6universe.com. Uh, I'm still looking for people for the book launch team in return for posting a few reviews on bookstore sites and sharing on your own social media. You can get a free physical copy of the book and... Uh, Read it that way, or if you'd like, we do have a few copies for sale for pre-sale between now and April of 2024 when the book comes out. And we're back. Welcome back. So... We were talking about you're talking about bifocal vision. You did a pretty good job laying out the sort of the what would you call it the framework for this. So let's and its uses and why it's good. Right. Yeah. But but let's let's actually get into something concrete here. Meaning, in our lives, how does this how does this work? What are examples? You you go ahead and you start. What it what have you seen lately? where this thought process has pulled you particularly into it, or it has it, this thought process has given you insight that you otherwise wouldn't have. Give me an example.
1: Well, I, the hard part is what's not an example. Uh, the easy one is... Yeah, pick one. Uh, Israeli-Gaza, uh, Israel, Israeli, Israeli you've got two sides shouting, mm-hmm. but you also have two sides shouting in location, over time, and through different symbolism.
0: That's absolutely true. And actually, we have a huge amount of history that we can look back to on the what you would call the two sides in that area. And there's, there's some threads we could pull on there, like the whole Nephilim connections to some of the cultures surrounding Israel in the past and what all has been used to try to, like, Sabotage God's people over the ages. I mean, there's a ton of there's a ton buried in that that we can pull on that that actually gives perspective on the modern conflict.
1: So I'm going to push back on that. Yeah. Who puts uh struggle in us ourselves? P- who puts struggle in us? What did you say about uh God's people?
0: Okay. The name Israel means struggles with God. Mm-hmm. You mean the struggles they've had with the surrounding peoples in the past that the I was idea talking is about? That,
1: that my bio uh, The way that you spoke it, mm-hmm. it seemed as if the damage to them was from the outside and not their action source themselves.
0: Uh, well, you've got two sources of damage for just about anything that goes on in life, right? It's like there are, there are outside forces that affect us and they have real, genuine, sometimes catastrophic impacts on our lives and then there's the way we deal with the things from the inside. So they're, both things are there. Absolutely. Um,
1: oh, <clears throat> another really good one for me, Mm -hmm. was our charity organizations we see a lot of uh action and movement in an area and then you don't see outputs Mm. and you can see it over time like so much uh uh in the moment fervor and Lack of okay. follow-through over time.
0: I, I know exactly what you're talking about. You lo- you When you look at things like, for example, what the U.S. has done in a couple of the wars that we've engaged in over the past 30 years, like Iraq and Afghanistan, and how there was immediate fervor in the moment when we committed to the action, and then we totally fell apart on the follow-through at some point and didn't either didn't have a good plan or failed to accomplish whatever plan we did have.
1: I suppose I should pull it in here. Uh, Bifocal Mm -hmm. is really good for some things. Separate from that, would be monophocal. Uh, well, hang
0: on, before you go there, up. can I can I actually give what what was occurring to me when you were talking about the Israel Gaza conflict? Can I actually flesh that out a little bit because I think it's a really interesting case and I think it'll actually illustrate what you're talking about pretty well if that's all right. Please. Okay. So we have basically what would I say three or four phases in the history of Israel as a nation in one phase is right after God promises Abraham a certain piece of land. And God took Abraham from the home of his ancestors to this new piece of land. And he says, this land will be yours. And then Abraham leaves. He goes somewhere else. And it's because at the time he was a wandering nomadic tribesman, essentially. That's what Abraham was. And he gathered a tribe around him. And um, eventually he and his, well, his descendants, uh, Jacob's sons and Jacob get taken to Egypt. And they are in Egypt for a, an amount of time. So that's phase one when they when we actually encounter the people in the land of Israel and there isn't a lot of there isn't a lot said about the conflict that went on then except that we know that Abraham actually went and wiped out or raided or did some kind of warfare against some cities that were in the land at the time okay so that's one but in two when the people are under Moses and they come back into the land um And that's actually under Joshua that they come back into the land of Israel. There is this sort of, what would you call it? The land is inhabited by giants. okay. And when we're talking about giants, this might lose some of our viewers. But the reality is, and I'm going to digress just a touch. There have been real giants in the history of the world. You can find skeletons. You can find pictures of skeletons <clears> people have dug up. And the Bible records. I mentioned
1: go ahead. in a previous episode about the Smithsonian.
0: Yeah, the Smithsonian
1: yeah. hiding giant skeletons. giant
0: skeletons. Yeah, that's fairly oh, common yeah. knowledge at this point. Anyway, so we know there were giants in the land, and we know that these were probably the descendants of children of Ham, because it's likely that the Nephilim genes were passed down as a recessive through Ham's wife, though that's that's sort of a guess. But that's one of the that's one of the possible sources of that um, gene pool contamination that caused giantism, real giants, uh, in that land. And we're talking about people who were well.
1: And you said giantism, yeah, giantism. Um, uh, yeah. I'm familiar with it from a from a liger. Could you explain what is gigantism? Giant
0: okay, so yeah, you're right. There are two There are two ways to talk about this. One is the modern syndrome that is giantism that is known medically, and that's just a misfunction of the body that causes people to get very very large, larger than normal, and eventually usually they die because their hearts just get too big to support themselves and work right that's gigantism as we know it in a modern medical sense but then you have this other well, thing it's, under,
1: mm-hmm. it's useful to understand that we act like we did this it's a perfectly on the planet process happening in the animals mm-hmm. and in some animals they get big and then like a uh, donkey mm-hmm. they are two animals they don't produce large things, mm-hmm. so it is just a description. Well, no,
0: that's uh, that's team. a totally different thing. Oh, it is. Yeah, no, giant. Gi- the the modern medical thing is not because. It is a problem with the genetics, but it's just a malfunction of some genes. There is no there is no crossing of genetic lines in the, the medical definition of it. What I was going to get into next was this other thing that is sort of what we saw as a result of the interbreeding of humans and angels as described in the early chapter of Genesis and in the Book of Enoch. That's a totally different thing, and that's where I was about to go next. So, um... Continuing here, then, um, the the interbreeding thing is a totally separate case. And in this case, what we're talking about is two different species creating offspring together that aren't, they're not exactly the same. They're, their genetics are similar enough to have babies, but they're not actually quite the same anymore to the point where they're completely compatible. And I find it really interesting that we actually could have offspring with spiritual beings. That's with angels. That's a really fascinating thing to know. And that the the offspring had abilities or attributes that were really extraordinary, like this whole gigantism thing, this whole the act, being actual giants that were like 12 to 15 to 20 feet tall.
1: Would you assume the uh, longevity would increase? Or is that more environmental in your view? I don't know. I know that
0: in the Bible we see that Adam and Methuselah both lived 900 plus years and so did a bunch of others in that line. Um, So longevity was... my
1: focal vision, looking at that area, mm -hmm. with the moon calendars, etc., how long was a year?
0: Well, I would assume it was the same period of time that we have now, because in, the, in Genesis, we see that the people were taught to view the stars. They were taught to look at the heavens, and that's how we measure a year. So I don't imagine that that would have changed.
1: I'm curious over an examination of the angle of the Earth, the uh, physical signs of the Flood. How fast do we spin? Spinning Would doesn't change. give us the
0: period of a year. It's the time it, it takes for us to go around the sun. Spinning is a day.
1: Okay, so, in,
0: changing so the we... Changing the period of the earth going around the sun is pretty far-fetched. I don't think it's realistic. It might have, you know, it, it could have been knocked off by a fraction of a day. But a year is a year is a year as far as I can tell from scripture and from history and from physics and anything we know there is no indication that the period of a year has ever changed
1: except for the changing calendars i guess we have the mayan calendar which was a moon based
0: right well they were moon based but it's it's you still get the same amount of time for a year if you're extrapolating a year from each one you still have seasons winding up in the these places you still have the Earth going around the sun and the moon going around the Earth, and there's no indication that any of those major astronomic things have ever changed. That's that's just not a thing, as far as I know. Now, there is the the distant possibility, or a possibility, that the seasons might have been different at one point because the axial tilt of the earth and the wobble that's in our axial tilt might have been from an impact, but that's, that's speculation. We don't know, but any, any calendar system we've ever had never suggested there was a change in the length of a year. Now we do see things like the Bible noting that in Peleg's day, the earth was divided and some people take that to mean that's when the continents drifted apart. But the point is, there's no, there's no indication anywhere of any change significant enough to change the length of a year. Now, there is something really curious that would be really fun to dig into in a whole episode at some point, and that is what's a Neanderthal, because there is great indication that if someone lived two to three hundred years long a normal human lived two to three hundred years that our skulls would look like Neanderthal skulls. Because of the the places where your bones continue to grow over I'm halfway time. i Hmm?
1: I said I'm halfway there.
0: <laughs> you're a you're hundred years old? I'm halfway there. <laughs> Fair enough. But, but the point is, human skulls changed dimension and changed thickness and changed what change whatever over time the older a person is the more you can see certain things happen with their their bones and you will get accumulations of bone deposits over time and there's actually an orthodontist who went and studied all this back in the 80s and wrote a book about it and it has not gotten nearly the credit that it deserves because he actually pretty well demonstrated that these Neanderthals are just really old people and that the pre-flood or immediate post-flood people who lived hundreds of years could have easily been Neanderthal skulls.
1: I could fairly well see that.
0: You want me to pull this back to where we started?
1: Yeah, I'm actually... I've got a couple of topics or... uh used from our initial bifocal topic.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I want to get to that, but I never got to finish what I was saying about Hamas and Israel. Okay. So, at the time when they went back into the land under Joshua, it looks to me like the enemy, the spiritual enemy, who has, who is the enemy of God's people, had seeded his offspring in the land of that Israel was to occupy. You remember in, in Genesis it said... God said, and I'll put enmity between your seed and his seed. Well, the idea that the offspring of these fallen angels would be against the humans just isn't very far-fetched, and that God's people Israel would be particularly brought into conflict with them just makes sense. And then bringing that forward, the bifocal view today is that the enemy knew that God had a plan to put His people Israel back in the land that He promised them, and so back before Israel was taken into captivity and the and um, the temple was eventually finally destroyed under Rome, we have this we have this opportunity where the enemy sees what's going on and what God has promised, and he sort of decides, well, I know that God does not forsake his promises. So before Israel is brought back into this land again, whenever God decides to do that, I'm going to put people who are sort of predisposed to be Israel's enemies in a place to surround them and to create trouble for them when Israel is finally recreated. And we can see that today. This is actually the enemy's, call it one of his long plans, that where he has put enemies of Israel into the land surrounding Israel. And Islam is a great... Uh, Islam is one of the primary sources of that in the modern world because of their doctrines.
1: Islam is a strange
0: story. Well, it's a strange story, but but the fact is, by their fruits you'll know them, and the fruit that we see is that they shout that... Israel is the Satan. Israel is the. <laughs> it's really hard to argue that their doctrines and their I got a
1: word. I don't. I don't speak the language.
0: You keep saying that. I... You keep saying that, but I, I actually take issue with your with your refusal to take responsibility for a viewpoint there, because the viewpoint is, you know, do you do you deny that these translations of videos would be, uh, contested if they were wrong, because we can see videos of these people screaming hate against Israel. And, you know, if, if what they were saying was obviously something different than the translations, there would be people calling that out. We have the internet. We can crowdsource this stuff.
1: Mm hmm. Where I'm going with that, yeah, it's not that the people on the ground are not hypnotized or brainwashed or, or mm-hmm. believing things that someone told them. Yeah, the origins mm. are where I would attack. Right? Who started it? If you look at, didn't I just the sort original... of,
0: didn't I just sort of tell you who I thought started it?
1: The military-industrial complex?
0: No, the enemy. The (laughs) capital E, enemy, the spiritual enemy of God's people seeded the area around God's people's homeland with hate for them after Christ's time, when Islam was created, it was one of the plans of the enemy to do that. And it worked, and they're there, and God will overcome that in some fashion
1: for anyone that doesn't know the arabic book has a language but it's all these squigglies and they require dots the dots make an a
0: the arabic book o. the arabic language what yes. sorry okay yes. you said the arabic book has these squigglies i'm talking what what book are you talking about do you mean the language
1: no i'm talking about the quran
0: Oh, the Quran, okay.
1: So, the original book, our manuscript, is a bunch of words with no vowels. Yep. And so, from that, what appears to be the military-industrial complex of the day, we used to call it Rome,
0: mm mm-hmm.
1: uh, Took control of what was a verbal language that they were attempting to build their own language for and told the people what they meant as opposed to listening to what they read. Hmm.
0: interesting i don't know what i know is that when you look at why I, don't I, you know huh
1: sorry why don't you know
0: why don't i know what
1: you say you don't know well i I the don't I don't know information I'm spreading mm-hmm. is from seven hundred eight seven hundred eighty mm-hmm. research by Christian scholars
0: yeah and what nothing, I don't know is nothing. what what I don't know is what actually went down at that time. I'm not saying you're wrong I'm just saying i I don't have any knowledge of what went down at that time. What I do know is what we have today for actual literal translations of their books and what the so the okay as christians when we look at the quran we tend to think of it as sort of a a parallel to the bible it, it is the holy writ and the reality is the way they look at the quran in islam is slightly different than what we look at the bible it, it is holy writ but they don't take it as being quite the same level of f- the final word as we take the bible so i'm ins- not going
1: to speak to how they take their book
0: i'm i don't care what you're speaking to i'm i'm informing you of what i know about this because i have actually studied into this a little bit i, I i'm not a scholar but i have scratched the surface enough to try to understand what's coming from over there because when i've when i've learned about this what i learn is that the Quran says these specific things. And when you look at what it actually says, some of those things are truly horrific.
1: But when you look at how the, which Quran, there's like 72 and that's just a big number, but there's a lot of them.
0: You know what? No, the one that is commonly accepted as the, as the current translation among large sects of Islam. I'm talking about, I'm talking, Good grief! I'm talking about what is currently accepted as their book, and let me finish my sentence because what I where I was going with that was that the way they look at some of those words is changed by other texts from other sources, and that's why we see things like um, Sunni Islam, or there's there's another I can't remember the name of it, but there's another branch that isn't Shia or Sunni that tends to not be not have even as much violence as some of the the extreme Sunni sects or extreme Shia sects do. And it's because they, they rely on other sources than the Quran for some of their doctrine in ways that we're not really, we don't really do it that way. So it can be difficult to, it can be difficult to extrapolate extract exactly where they get their the sources for their authoritative doctrine but what we do know is the facts on the ground we know what the nations around israel are trying to do to israel we know that iran iran is calling for the end of israel for a genocide of the jews regularly that's not that's not in contest they do that on twitter um we see this from various nations and organizations that are of Islamic origin all around Israel today. And that's what I'm addressing.
1: I think we're addressing the same, the difference being rather than admitting that it, we are where we are and that's been prophesied. Mm -hmm. Why don't we go at them? as Christians and say, here's where the lie is. Here's the lie. There are,
0: actually, I have watched videos by people who who have specifically been called by God or been gifted by God to do that, and them teaching you exactly how to approach Islam, people who are in Islam with that perspective. Now, here's the other thing to remember though. Any kind of Christian trying to evangelize Muslims in a Muslim country is subject to death penalty. I mean, under their laws, they're subject to death penalty. True. So. Uh, so you want to you you tell them, oh, this is the lie. Try doing that with Christians. Try doing that with atheists. Try doing that with anybody else. We do that as Christians. We approach people with that. The key thing is, though, everybody almost everybody in the world is caught in their own version of some lie. All of us are. you know, for some people there's Islam, for some people there's hard atheism, for some people there's this sort of squishy left-wing Christianity, for some people there's this super uh, dogmatic, super fundamentalist Christianity, for some people it's, these lies are just a multiplicity of multiplying traps for people, and you can tell people this is the lie that you're acting under, and they'll they will hate you for telling them what liar they're acting under. But that is our job, and we do do that. That is, as Christians, that's sort of what we're called to do in, our, in everyday life.
1: In that sort of situation, it is not the people that received a false translation. It is the people that created the false translation.
0: Sure. Sure does it matter
1: what happens if the people you're angry about with your false beliefs are also the one that gave you your false beliefs
0: well then i mean (laughs) well it's like it's like israel creating hamas in the first place that's just a historical fact they funded them they actually gave them money as a counterweight to yasser arafat's plo which was sort of a left-wing organization. So Israel created Hamas. Does that mean they deserve to be killed by Hamas? Well, no, that's not...
1: I don't personally think so.
0: No, that's that's not that's not a good way to but analyze anger. that. Well, sure, and, and anger is anger. I mean, reality is this world is messed up and, and difficult and hurtful, and we've all got something to be angry about. There, there are places where we've all been wronged, and the only way past that is through the grace of and the healing that comes from christ and that's it man we all need it we're all broken what more is there
1: i would remind us all to certainly have grace and forgiveness for anyone who's confused
0: yeah as far as the bifocal vision thing goes though just one sentence on finishing out that thought process here we see from the beginning that the enemy has been opposing God by creating difficulty for his people in the nations around them. We saw that in the beginning. We saw that, you know, when they were coming back into the land from Egypt, we saw that, um, in the modern day. And I don't see any reason to, I don't see any reason that that has to be different going forward. I mean, we, it's an interesting perspective and we can see that it's kind of happening again.
1: We can, we can.
0: You want to, you want to go to break here and then um, come back and talk about the mono vision.
1: I would like to, yeah. I want to look up. Yeah. All right. Well, let's,
0: uh, let's just say goodbye here and be back in a minute. Be back in a minute. Modern Apocrypha is made possible by North Arrow Coffee. It's the pro-life coffee company where 15% of every sale goes to a pro-life cause. And it's so good that even us non-coffee drinkers love the company. Everybody I know who I have uh, given North Arrow Coffee to who is a coffee drinker loves it. So the quality of the product is wonderful and they're not a company that hates you. So. If you're interested, head over to NorthArrowCoffee.co and use the promo code E6 for 10% off with your order.
1: And we're back. Welcome back, everyone. So... We're playing with some new sound here i'm gonna see how this works for me hopefully better hopefully better. so so
0: where were we before the break well we had i had just finished up my sort of rabbit rabbit trail on um binocular vision and looking at how israel is being affected today versus how they're being affected in the past and seeing the similarities and all and if well, you want to make really any comments on to... that feel free
1: I really just try to uh, not be from the spectrum of just the scene, right? Just the one moment it is. Uh, it is a scene that reverberates through time, reverberates through symbolism, and shakes our natural sight.
0: Well, and it, and it seems to be the central stage for the drama that is unfolding between, you know, as a spiritual battle between the Lord and the enemy.
1: I can certainly see that. I do want to go through a couple of the other things I had uh, yeah, please. used use there. Um, let's go back at uh, bifocal vision. It's mm-hmm. got uh, its expression through the, the natural, symbolic, and temporal. Um, you could place it on things that uh, provide a useful tool for comparative purposes. Mm-hmm. And using bifocal as a keyword there just to, every time you see the symmetry of life, just remember. Right? every time you see the symmetry of life just remember, double check, double check check it against something else that is relevant so you've got binocular vision which provides triangulation uh, that's ob- an obvious uh, benefit of it mm-hmm. different from that we have our uh, uh, single point of vision um, you might call it cycloptic vision cycloptic, cyclops is in monocular, a, uh,
0: how about monocular mon- vision
1: monocular vision Sure. Um, And it does have uh, benefits as well. Uh, Viewing from a single point will give you a clearer picture, if that uh, makes sense. What it's generally used for, what it's good for, is hitting a faraway target. Um, A monovision targeting system will be able to uh, target further, more accurately. and so that does help you focus, focus in on something. Um, telescope. You even, does help a telescope?
0: A telescope is, a, is essentially a monocular vision. It, I mean, it isn't a binoscope, it's a telescope. It, it shows you far away, but trying to look too far away with binoculars is actually not as good as trying to look very far away with a telescope. That's what came to my mind when you said that, at least. So just in support of your point, I guess.
1: Well, yeah, we're just trying to, uh, give a natural world explanation as to why these things show up and then reminding ourselves to try to apply these to the world around us in more than just one way. So in a, uh, monocular vision Mm -hmm. or a tele or a telescopic vision.
0: I don't know. uh, Monocular just means one eye where a telescope would necessarily be long range.
1: And these are really great for shuffling things through. So if you want to uh, look at things in the benefit for your family, you might look at things financially. You might think, uh, look at things nutritionally. You might look at things um, socially. You might look mm-hmm. at things legally. Mm-hmm. Um, but each of these are a single vision that you're looking at different uh things f- from that okay that would be a that would be a uh, symbolic way to look at things uh monocularly
0: interesting so
1: it, a dash a seasoning of dogma to at least give you something to bolt into to pivot around. Right? If you're going to be looking at something, you still have a pivot point. If you just constantly move your perspective. Yeah, of course. Not, you're never, yeah, you're not going to be able to have anything to uh, have a reality based on.
0: Yeah. You have to have a foundation you stand on. Mm.
1: So our monocular vision tends to be our foundations that we stand on.
0: hmm Yeah no I, I i hear you by the way so when, um real quick I, I just want to say i'm sorry if i got hostile with you earlier i didn't mean to i just you know i get passionate about these things
1: oh no yeah i do not feel uh well I aggression just, towards me no I, and i just realized products.
0: i just realized that that's how it could have come across and i didn't want to i didn't want to leave it like that so anyway moving on what were what, what you going to say
1: well looking at it, we've kind of defined them. We've got our uh, natural, symbolic, temporal, different ways of uh, applying the tool, the tools of binocular vision, uh, comparing multiple points, the tools of monocular vision, focusing on a point a point, and uh, running through uh, the world, really? yeah through that point. Um, and there are some obvious good uses for it. We're explaining ways to see, yeah, Mm -hmm. ways to pull things up. Those are uh, good things, right? Those are good uses. Um, We've talked about some misuses of binocular uh, vision, right? Trying to uh, provide a false point, right? Trying to control the chessboard, trying to make uh, an Overton window, right? So you uh, you allow two points to be seen, but not. Uh, but defining your two points to 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 uh, force a point of triangulation. Interesting. So those those misuses you described.
0: Well, uh, and that that's a, that's probably a good way to a good thing to pull into this because the idea of the whole you know uh, thesis antithesis synthesis thing, providing an example of the the whole triangulation thing is it's probably a good uh a good thing to pull in here
1: yeah absolutely i guess we should spend a a second and run through the misuses the misuses of cyclopic uh vision Uh, what are the obviously dogma i called it uh, as an easy one but uh i guess the results of dogma misapplied are so hard to reward that they're everywhere can you give any can you think of anything, any any monocular vision uh circumstances that are misuses misuses where you're focused so uh heavily on something that you're missing a binocular application perhaps well i mean you can you can do that in
0: just about anything right where you get you get so focused on something that you lose sight of everything else and that's I mean, that's a problem I have a lot, really, is I get too focused on this or that, and I will lose sight of other things. I get way too single-minded about stuff. So it's, it's something I've had to... Huh?
1: I'm going to help you with a really easy uh, 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 fix for the problem. There is only one point that matters. So anytime you're not focusing on the point that matters, then <laughs> monocular vision is wrong.
0: Right. Okay, I got gotcha. you. You're talking about Christ. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's fair. That's fair. When you lose sight of what he has or what he's doing, that's definitely
1: yeah. where he's going and where you're supposed to be going. Eyes on the prize. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So the the uh, the warning, mm-hmm. the uh, the care with monop- uh, monocular vision is if you're aiming at anything other than God, yeah, any, anything other than Christ, then you've got the wrong idea. Yeah. Absolutely. And you can also, you can check against that. You can, you can ask yourself as you do something. is it, you, the, the old one, what was that? What would Jesus do? W
0: WWJD, W W J D. What would Jesus do? Yeah. yeah.
1: No, I actually ask I,
0: myself that on a regular basis. Is is this Is this the way he would be handling this situation?
1: Yeah. I'm
0: with you. That's absolutely good point.
1: So, monocular is great for figuring out where you're going. It's kind of really terrible for getting you there.
0: (laughs) Seems right. Anything else, or you want to call this? We've we've been at it about an hour.
1: Okay. Yeah, it seems reasonable. It seems reasonable. Um, I I do want to get back to our uh, our influences, um, appropriate uses, honest, open, and appropriate uses of influence, and words that we use for uh, influence misapplied so let's we'll, we'll look at that at another let's time put a
0: pin in those and pick them up sometime soon sounds good right on all right thank well, you for your time everyone thanks everybody and we'll see you soon
1: see you soon